it's three days into the new year. How are those resolutions going? You know, I, I did some research on uh, resolutions this week. Uh, in the Great Depression, that, that time, only 25% of Americans made New Year's resolutions. And uh, by the beginning of this century, uh, 21st century, over 40% of Americans made resolutions. Uh, and, uh, you know, some of those resolutions are, are uh, uh, aspirational. Some are kind of funny. Jay Leno said, uh, according to the average medical, or the medical professionals today, the average normal American is overweight. So it sure made my resolution of being, having a normal weight more attainable. <laughs> Larry the Cable Guy said, uh, his new his resolution last year was to not work out. And that went so well, he's going to keep that up this year. <clears throat> but the reason for re- resolutions, I want to think about today, what are the reasons for resolutions? It is to improve yourself. It's to have a better life. It's the hope, and all of us need hope, don't we? It's the hope that the new can be different than the old. That There can be some transformation in our lives. We know that going against entropy, that that which is, tends to stay like it is. Going against that takes work. But I believe it can be done. I believe for the Christian, we have help in that. I believe as we begin this new year, as I was praying uh, this last summer about how to start out 2016, I believe we need to look at the last part of the book of Romans. What a great section of scripture that is for teaching us about the transformed life. Now, if you know much about the book of Romans, uh, the first part of it, the first 11 chapters, is pretty deep in places. It's very doctrinal. It's very much teaching us Christian theology. But I would say to you, and I agree with Bishop John Hall, who wrote many years ago this, doctrine without exhortation makes one wise. Exhortation without doctrine gives one a good heart. Both are important. One makes a person a wise man. One makes a man good. But those two without each other leave us lacking. It's to have both that should be our goal. And so I tell you, as we look today at Romans 12.1, and as we unfold through these weeks and what comes after, I believe if we can take this truth and, and put it into practice in our lives, I believe 2016 can be different than 2015. I think we can have transformation in our lives. I believe God wants to bring to us the best life. He made us in his image. He made us for good, good feelings, good thoughts, good actions, good ministry. And so I hope you'll join with us these weeks as we think about this. There is a great challenge in Romans 12.1. Let's read it together and and you see if you pick up on this challenge. Therefore, what he's saying is that because of everything that's come before, Romans 1 through 11, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy 
and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Did you get the challenge there? This New Year's challenge I have for you, but not just for this year, I hope for the rest of your life. What is the challenge? God challenges you to be a living sacrifice. He challenges each one of us to be a living sacrifice. Now, I want to unpack that challenge today. And, and first, we talk about the background of the challenge, the background of the challenge. In the Old Testament times, when people came to worship, uh, they literally brought animals with them. They brought pigeons and lambs and goats, and some even brought bulls. They brought those animals. Anybody bring those with them today? No, because we have a different way of understanding. As we live now with the completion of the New Testament, the new covenant unveiled, we have a different understanding. But back then, uh, people brought their animals to be sacrificed. Those animals would be sacrificed on behalf of the people's transgressions, their sins, uh, the ways that they did not do what God wanted them to do or, or didn't do what God wanted them to do. That because of those sins, they incurred punishment. And we see that in Romans 3, don't we? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We see that in Romans 6, don't we? For the rages of sin is death. In the Old Testament times, people would sacrifice those animals. And so there was a veritable river of blood for people that were approaching God that they would sacrifice these animals. But that all changes. It all changes as we see the turning of the tide, as we see in Bethlehem a babe born who is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and promises. Hebrews 10, 4 says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It just won't be fulfilling. It won't ever totally solve the problem. It won't ever uh, totally take care of the problem. The Old Testament prophet said there would be one that would come. And John announced his coming uh, John announced the fulfillment of that coming. John one twenty nine says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Forever after this, there would be no need to bring all of those animals to worship because Jesus was the Lamb. He was God's offspring. He was God's a chosen sacrifice, not for his sake, because the Bible tells us Jesus never sinned, but for all those who would come after him, as we believe and trust in him, that our sins might be forgiven. He was the lamb who took away, who, it's the same word there in Greek where you see in Jesus when he was buried in the tomb, the tomb, that stone across the tomb was rolled away. This says the Lamb of God rolls away our sins. What a great release that is. Uh, to have a transformed life, you need to understand you need to give your life to Christ. You need to accept him as Lord and Savior first if you haven't done that. If you're searching, if you're trying to figure out what's spiritually true, I want you to call me. I want you to come talk to me about that. Because without that initial step of faith, without that initial 
conversion to Christianity, all that I'm talking about with this transformed life is not going to be able to happen for you. We want to help you in that, okay? But I'm assuming I'm talking to many folks who have made that decision. If we've made that decision, then, then what does this mean that, that Jesus comes, that, that he is the sacrifice, that he's the lamb? It's very significant. We live in a time where across the seas, young men and women will strap many pounds of explosives to their body and and walk into a a crowded place and set themselves off. They die to take others with them. Christianity is unique in this. In radical Islam, they say that God tells you to send your son to die for him. In Christianity, God sends his son to die for you. Totally different. The Lamb of God, this sacrifice that Jesus makes, gives us the ability to to have a totally different life. Christianity is unique. There's no other religion in the whole world like Christianity. We are the only people in the world who preach free grace. Ours is the only free religion in the world. Every other religion says, do this and live. Our God says, it has been done for you. And there you find the whole gospel in three words. If you had no other book except Romans, I tell you, you could have a pretty complete theology and understanding. But it's not enough just to understand it. It has to be done. Now, understand that you can be a Christian without doing anything. Do versus done. That sums up all of the scripture. Every other religion is based on works. You go to heaven because of what you do. You give money. You go to church or the synagogue or the mosque. You pray toward Mecca. You light a candle. You pray all night. You keep the feast days. You give alms to the poor. You offer a sacrifice. You keep the Ten Commandments. You be baptized. You follow the golden rule. You be a good neighbor. You don't get in trouble. You obey the law. Stay out of jail. Keep be courteous, kind, and forgiving. Try harder. <clears throat> Do your best. Follow the program. Live a good life. Now, I tell you, as I read those things to you, I, I don't tell you those are bad things to do. In fact, it's a pretty good life that's outlined. But what you need to understand is it doesn't begin with that in Christianity. It begins with what Jesus has done for us. The background of the sacrifice is God challenges us to be living sacrifices. We need to understand that Christianity tells us that it is free, this gift of God to us. Out of his death comes the best, most abundant life you can ever have. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's Jesus saying that. And then a little later in John 14.6, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He shows us the way. He, because of his grace, enables us to approach God, and to live the life of God. He models this living sacrifice for us. (laughs) It is a good thing God has done for us. That's the background of the challenge. Uh, Let me give you the essence 
of the challenge. Remember, what is our challenge? To be a living sacrifice. The essence of the challenge is this, that as we respond to Christ by faith, what he's done for us, as we accept God's offer uh, to have our sins forgiven by trusting in Jesus as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, as we believe that, then we need to do this one thing. We need to offer our bodies. We need to offer our bodies. Isn't that what our verse said? I've urged you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, to present your bodies, some versions say, as living sacrifices. Now, that might seem odd to you, but it is exactly what Scripture tells us throughout the New Testament. There are many Scriptures I could have chosen to support this teaching, to support this argument that I'm making for you, but uh, I've selected a few of them. And... 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? Again, another difference from the Old Testament to the New. In the Old Testament times, Jesus, or excuse me, God lived in the physical temple in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. But with the coming of Christ, with faith changing residence, if you will, We each become temples of the Holy Spirit. Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What that means is this. It's very important what we choose to eat. It's very important what we choose to drink or not drink. It's very important what we do with our bodies around other people with other people. It's important that we don't isolate or compartmentalize faith like this. I've heard some Christians say it's important uh, to be uh, spiritually right, to be spiritually true. We say it as if you could divide spirit and body. Well, the New Testament doesn't have that concept, that conception. It's important for us to understand that our bodies without the physical body You can't just give God spirit and soul. It's all of us. We're all together. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We must account for what's going on, what has gone on. We must account for how we've spent our time. I used to hate, I mean, when I was young, my parents, particularly my dad, he, he would give me some chores to do and, and say, I'm going away for a while or I'm going to work and these are to be done when I get back. What a terrible to hear their car. I mean, normally I, I love seeing my dad, but uh, what a terrible to hear that car or truck driving up in the driveway and know you had to give an account. You see, the essence of this challenge involves the way you use your body, the way you live with your body, the choices that you make, the the ways that you utilize all that God's blessed you with. Romans 6, 12 and 13 says, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. 
Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every, every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. You see, we're very good at filling and fulfilling half or part of what we see and read. But the question is this, as you live for God, do you give him all of yourself? The logical flow of Paul's argument here is since you have received God's mercy through the cross of Christ, since you are now brothers and sisters in the family of God, since your life has been utterly transformed by Jesus Christ, there is only one sensible thing for you to do. <laughs> I'm going to say to you for 2016, there's only one sensible thing for you to do. It's to offer your body to God as a living sacrifice. You see, we often talk about resolutions as I'm not going to drink alcohol or I'm not going to eat things that are bad for me or, uh, you know, we, we make these lists, itemized lists of things we're going to do for self-improvement. I say to you, it is about giving God all of your body. That is the one sensible thing to do for you to offer your body to God every day for it to be his mouth, his ears, his eyes, his hands, his feet, his everything. That's the one sensible thing for you to do. And then see what God does, what amazing transformative things he does in your life if you give him all of you every day so that he can use you as a vessel of mercy to others. Nothing else makes sense. Nothing else really matters. Nothing else will satisfy you. God doesn't want dead animals burning on an altar. He wants his people to be living sacrifices. This is holy and acceptable in his sight. Offer your body. The application of the challenge I want to make clear today. That's the third point here. I want you to make it specific and personal. As I said, I, I think uh, we are good, each of us, at different things of offering our body. Your temptations are different than my temptations. Your abilities are different than my abilities. But the question is, does God have all? Now, it's a challenging question. If you say, God, I give you all of myself, then he might call you to China as a missionary. He might call you to Georgia. Heaven on earth. <laughs> Just kidding. It was 77 on Christmas Day. I got to tell you, that was pretty nice. Felt like it was in Florida for Christmas. If you say, I give you all of me, it's kind of scary. But I tell you this, I trust so much in the goodness of God that I trust him if I give him all of me, that he's going to do something amazing and glorious 
And I encourage you to step out in faith this year and give God all of yourself. And I think you will see the goodness of God show up. And I'm also going to tell you that if you offer God all of yourself, he might not call you to China or to Georgia, but he's got you in a place right now where you can be a vessel of his mercy and his grace. He's got you at that workplace. He's got you at that school. He's got you in that neighborhood. He's got you in that marriage. He's got you as parents or children. He's got you in a place of influence right now. Offer God all of yourself without reservation, without holding back, without compartmentalization. Offer God all of yourself and see see what he does. That's the challenge. I love how this verse ends. It ends surprisingly to me. When it says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, and then it talks about, this is your true and proper worship. You know, normally we think of worship as what? Singing songs. Corporate prayer. Taking communion together. And all of those are important parts of corporate worship. But understand this. Worship is fundamentally about giving yourself to God. The Hebrew word for worship literally means to prostrate yourself, to fall on your face before God in a position of complete surrender. True and proper worship. I'm not minimizing singing songs. I think we have great worship here corporate worship, but I am saying to you, God does not want you to worship one hour on Sunday morning. He does not want you only to worship in your car or singing at the top of your lungs uh, in your, uh, to your radio or iPod or whatever driving to work. It's about everything you have given to him. I'm going to sing a song called Take My Life and Let It Be. <laughs> now listen, I'm going to tell you, normally we say everybody stand up and sing. But I'm going to say today, only sing it if you mean it. I'm asking you to step into the unknown in 2016. To give God all of yourself. But I believe if you do that, you won't regret it. Take your life and let it be consecrated only to thee, only to him. That is the one sensible thing to do as you go into this new year. Father, we think about these things today and and they're kind of scary. This challenge we understand with our minds but it'll be hard to put into practice I thank you Father for for giving us these marvelous words of scripture both Romans 12 1 and what follows after it it shows us how all the doctrine can become practice how you don't want us just to be people with right minds but you want to be people with right bodies right ministries, right effects and influences on others. You want us, Father, to be your 
missionaries wherever we are. Help us this year to be focused. Help us to trust you. Help us to offer all of ourselves to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's ministry time. If you wish to give your life to Christ today, if you're a Christian, we'd love to help you with that. If you want to join us here formally at Northside, again, we'd like to help you with that. This challenge is going to be ongoing. How would this year be different? How much can we give God of ourselves? I pray it's all of you. And I pray even more that it's every day. You know, Warren Warren Wearsby says that the problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar. Think about that a minute. The problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar. 